The biggest shift is the one you just described, which is passive income. What's the actual income coming in? And understand that financial advisors have always taught, it's always the accumulation theory, which is build up all that money like your friend was doing, build it all up and then live off that interest. Are you ready to transform your life? This is a no-nonsense show helping immigrants like you create generational wealth, even while working full-time. Get ready to take notes. Here's your host, Socket Jane. Welcome back, my Great to Wealth listeners. Today, I have the pleasure to introduce to you Chris Miles from Money Ripples. Chris, how are you? I'm fantastic. So happy to be here. Well, thank you, man. I know, I know you have a lot of other stuff going on right now in your life, including a flooded basement. So thank you for taking the time and coming on the show. Appreciate it. Absolutely. So Chris, you are a wealth strategist, helping folks to understand, develop a path to get out of the rat race. Help us understand, what do you do? Yeah, I'm really an anti-financial advisor. I love <laughs> so, that. You know, I used to be the traditional financial advisor, right? Where they just sell you, really it's just a salesman in a suit. They sell you mutual yeah. funds and annuities, and that's really all they offer. And it's interesting because growing up, I was never really taught a lot about money. I was taught more that there's a lack of money, the scarcity mm-hmm. of it. I was right. taught you know, by really good parents that, you know, they taught me great values. But when it came to money, it was usually about not just how there was never enough, but you were supposed to spend as little as you can to be a tightwad, right. uh, save everything you could, and then hopefully you'll have freedom. Well, of course, naturally as a kid, I didn't want to live the life like my dad was, for example, because he was working a job that he didn't necessarily like all the time. He hated the fact that they would lay him off when they felt like he would say things like, money doesn't grow on trees. What do you think I am? Made of money. We can't right. afford this, you know? Right. you know, all those kind of things you hear growing up. So vowing never to be like that, I decided I wanted to take a different path, went to college, was planned to become a business consultant. And naturally, because I wanted to have a real life business experience, I decided to become an entrepreneur. So I dropped out of school and I thought, well, I'm just going to try the entrepreneur path for a little bit just to get a little extra experience in my resume. Well, when I dropped out, I found that the first one that came up that intrigued me was being a financial advisor. I didn't know at the time that they would take mm. anybody off the street as long as you could pass a test with 70% and not have a criminal yeah. record. Um, yeah. I didn't realize they took everybody. So I was trying to impress them, see if they let me into the good old boys club. And after some time, I started to realize I liked it. I liked being an entrepreneur. I liked having control of my own mm-hmm. time and my own freedom. And I started teaching people how to you know, become retired eventually, right? I would teach them the dream. I would tell them you put money away forever, save it for a long haul, take high risk, get high returns, all that kind of stuff. Dollar cost average, yeah, all those things that you hear about. Well, eventually my dad started asking me for advice. And so he said, hey, come sit down with me, take a look at my plan, see if I can retire. So I sit down with him. He says, Chris, I'm 61 years old. What should I do now? I looked at everything and you know, he had saved in his 401k, he was doing a great job there. He had paid off his house early. He was very proud of that. He did everything that Dave Ramsey would tell you. Yeah. Good job, buddy. You get a little sticker, right? Right. Well, as I looked at his numbers, I said, dad, if it weren't for social security, eventually kicking in, you would run out of money in five years. You better hope you die sooner than later. Mm. Wow. <laughs> and well, that's a, that's that's a crazy statement, man. Yeah. Yeah. It's not you, I'm sure you got his attention. I'm sure you got his attention. Oh, I did for sure. He's like, well, what do I do? And of course, when he asked me that, I said, I don't know. You've done everything right. Yeah. I mean, he was doing everything that I would recommend as a financial advisor. And I started to have this crisis because it was really an integrity crisis, not just existential, but mm-hmm. it was an integrity crisis. Because when I started to look at other clients, 
other people that had been investing for decades with financial advisors that I had later inherited, even they were in the same position as him. Nobody was right. truly financially free. Some were retired, but they were always worried about running out of money. Mm -hmm. And then even worse, I had a friend that was a real estate investor that right about that same time we started talking and he said, Chris, well, how many of you guys as financial advisors are financially free, not off the commissions you're earning, but actually doing the investments you've been recommending. And as I started to think about hundred plus guys at my office, yeah. I started thinking about it and said, well, none, because there's guys been working here since the late 1970s, right. yet they are still not financially free. He said, there is your problem. Mm. And it was at that point I started down the journey of going down the alternative investment route, especially with real estate investing. And I started yeah. going down that path instead. Eventually I quit being a financial advisor because I realized I couldn't be an integrity teacher anymore. And so eventually I started to learn those things with real estate and really creating multiple streams of income that later that year, when I was 28 years old, almost 29, I was able to be financially independent myself. Yeah. And which was completely different than what I thought was possible as a financial advisor. I was praying and hoping that I work and save hard enough to retire at age 40 as a financial advisor, right? But that wasn't the case. I was able to do it much faster by doing the opposite of what I was right. taught. And that's really what we're doing today is that we're really on this mission to help over a thousand families become financially independent by 2030, where you're work optional. You work because you want to, not because mm -hmm. you have to. And that's the real point. I love that story, right, Chris? Because I think one of the things that I always think about is like that, the accounting teacher or the tax, I don't know if you took a business classes in school, mm -hmm. there's a difference between theory and there's a difference between a practitioner, right? Kind of like if you're Absolutely. learning from a theorist, you learn, but you won't actually know they've never done it, right? And that's really, I think sometimes, mm -hmm. unfortunately, the question that you ask with a financial advisor or your friend is how many of you guys think you're going to be either financially free or already are? And when you start asking that question yourself, you're like, well, what right do I really have to talk to my clients about their financial freedom when I'm at the same age and I'm not financially free? And I can't see a future. If I stop working, my commission is going to end and I'm done, right? I don't have a financial freedom path for myself. I love that story. And thank you for sharing that because it's an important question of who you're taking your advice from. And what right do they have just because they have three letters behind their name or they're part of an institution? Does that make them qualified to be your advisor? Right? Financial or not, it's the same thing for tax, the same thing for legal. I think it's the same thing for everything. So I love your story. So thank you for sharing that. But let's take a path forward, right? So now you're sitting with your dad. You had an epiphany that I'm having the same or integrity crisis as you used the term that you don't know if you should be if you're doing the right thing for others because you really don't have the answer for your own dad right mm -hmm. and then of course there's a moment happened where your friend asked a profound question simple but yet profound because you were looking at that i think where you were at that point you were ready for that question if that question probably came 10 years ago you may not have the same reaction but right now you did and what happened at that moment kind of like help us talk understand that when you had that epiphany that 100 people working in your, alongside by you in your organization, none of them have that trajectory. What was going through your head? What was going through emotionally? What were you thinking? It was rough. It was really rough because, I mean, I had sold the dream for so long that what I was doing was right and helping people. And that's yeah. the thing. 
any financial advisor out there, I think the vast majority of them are like I was, or at least I'd like to believe so, is that they really do care about their clients. They want the best for them. They feel mm-hmm. like they're doing the best job. The problem is that given history, it's just not proven, right? Because right. what we do is we always put people's lives into a calculator. I mean, wouldn't it be so wonderful if our life could just be put into a calculator and everything works out exactly yeah. the way it should? Right. You know, so for example, I would show people even in their 20s, right? Because I'd work with a lot of younger couples like my age at that time. And I would say, look, you put away $100 a month for 40 years and at 12% return, because I believe that the, rich, the stock market actually returned 12%. Yeah. It, look, you'll have a million dollars. So ta-da, you're a millionaire. Isn't that amazing? You just have to start now. And yeah. so I, I would sell that dream of how important it is to start today, keep saving, and let that money compound and grow, that compounding right. interest, the eighth wonder of the world, which, by the way, Einstein never said that. Oh, <laughs> he wait, said he did not? No, compounding numbers. Uh, he was referring to in science, compounding numbers. Compounding numbers, but, yeah. But he was never talking about compounding interest with the financial okay. sense. That, okay. that was something that financial advisors and network marketers came up with, right? I'm sure, I'm sure. So that's the problem. And that's the thing. I was telling people, take high risk, create high returns. Well, mm-hmm. it was interesting because when I started to question everything, you know, with that friend, Doug, right? He said, hey, come to this investment seminar with me. It was a bunch of real estate investors putting on locally here in Utah. Mm -hmm. He says, we're putting on a seminar. Come take a look. And as we're sitting there, a guy got up that was kind of like a financial advisor of sorts, right? He was more of an insurance salesman, you know, talking about infinite banking and stuff. But they're talking about like that and real estate investing and whatnot. And and he started bringing out the question. He's saying, well, they say you're in it for the long haul. Well, if the market goes down, how long does the long haul become? Which is what my dad experienced, right? Because in Y2K, right before I met with him, he had more money and then he saw coworkers making all this money in tech stocks. So right. he moved his money more into the tech sector and then bam, Y2K hit him and he lost a lot. And then of course, not long after that, of course, then he had the great recession, right? And so all this money that keeps hitting people, I mean, most of the time the clients that I met with after the fact, many of them, if they, from the year 2000, if they just had money sitting there, not adding more to it, but money sitting mm-hmm. there, it took them until 2015 to finally get back to where they were in 2000. Of course. Yet they lost half that in purchasing power. So really they lost half their money over 15 years because of inflation. Yeah. That was such an eye opener when you say, well, how long is that long haul? Well, you're right because I put people in a calculator to say this. The other thing, the assumptions of what the stock market returns. I always told people 10 or 12% because they'll tell you, they'll show you the chart saying since 2000 mm-hmm. BC, you've yeah. made 10 or 12% a year. But right. when you look at the real actual yield of the stock market, right, of the S&P 500, you'll realize that S&P 500 has only returned about 7.5% for the yeah. last 30 years. That's yeah. the actual average yield. The problem is, of course, when you have the, you know, like when the market goes up, right, it seems great. But when it goes down, say you lose 50% mm-hmm. in your stocks. Well, you don't need a 50% return to get back to zero because if you lose yeah. half your money, say you go from 100000 to 50000 If you make a 50% return on $50,000, you only made 25,000, meaning that now you have 75. So you don't need a 50% return. You need a hundred percent return. If you Mm -hmm. lose half, you have to double. Well, that throws off the averages, doesn't it? Because if you lose 50 at a hundred, that's 50 divided by two years as a 25% average return. Which one do you think financial institutions would love to show you the real yield or the average yield based on that? calculation average, of course right yeah of course 
So I wouldn't like I'm that, like, I have you know? a, you know, I have a mentor, such an interpreter, I have a mentor who always says that yeah, the average is always interesting because if you put your one foot in a thousand degree temperature <laughs> and the other foot in zero, the average is 500, what are you going to burn to death either ways, right? So it's really yeah. averages are crazy. You really have to look at the real rate of returns, right? And I agree. Really I think do. one of the other dimensions that I want to add to that is, which is interesting, and I have a, I've done that extensive calculation on that. I'm sure, so have you. It's that's just the one piece of the dimension seven percent on the S and P. Now you add your advisory fee one percent, right? Then you add your taxes. Then you add your inflation, because once you, and the same example you were saying from two thousand to just if you kept the money in the S and P, it's going to take you fifteen years to become whole. And after, mm-hmm. in that time, you've lost half the money. The, the purchasing value has gone down, right? That's so right. when you start looking at real debt, and I did some numbers of that, and I looked at 2% inflation, of course, that was several years ago when 2% was the norm. And now we're looking at in a very different world. At that time, once you start to ready to take the money out, we're really looking at 2 to 3%. And, if that's, that? and that has even gotten worse. And I'm with you. I'm not saying stock's bad. But you have to look at it in a perspective of what is stock market doing for you. And there's a role to play. Every asset class has a role to play. I think, sorry, I cut you out, but I just wanted to say that example and add some dimensions to what you were saying. That is not just about the rate of return. It's really when you're ready to take the money out, what is going to be a net return after you pay all the fees and everything? That's right. And that's a good point because your really stock market, you know, when I'm talking about the SP 500, is really only kept up with inflation. You know, the real yeah. rate of inflation. Because if you go yeah. to shadowstats.com, they'll talk about how the, the inflation numbers that they report to you has been completely skewed. Yeah. It's been thrown off because they don't want to pay more in Social Security. That cost right. of living increase is bankrupting Social Security too quickly. So they've yeah. made slight tweaks to the mathematical equations and what they factor in. Like like eggs, for example. Eggs is way too heavily weighted for being the cost of food. Yeah. Right? than other things should be. So they take certain things out, put certain things in that are more stable. Correct, and as right. a result, they measure inflation off that, not real life experience of your real yeah. personal inflation rate. So you're right. Like we No, I think you're right, it. Rick. Every one of us have seen as our inflation is not, the grocery prices have not gone 8%. It's gone way up. The housing oh, prices, yeah. the rental prices, right? Everything has gone way beyond 8%. So Absolutely. how they calculate is definitely fine, but the real pain that consumers are feeling, feeling is way more than 8%. So I think some, uh, you know, well, who says that? Robert Kiyosaki says that a lot, that there are actually no two coins. It's not just the two sides. There are actually three sides of the coin. The head, the tail, and the edge. And you always want to stand on the edge so you can see what the tail is, what the head is, and make your own judgment calls, right? So I think what you and I are saying is, who knows what the real rate of inflation is? We don't know. Nobody knows. Mm-hmm. But yeah. read that stuff like shadow stats. We're basically saying, okay, there is a school of thought that it could be higher. And then yeah. it's up to you to determine if it's higher or lower. Of course, you're not going right. to be able to push the Fed to change the inflation rate. It is whatever, whatever they're saying is whatever it is. But for your understanding, you have to understand when you're investing for future, what's the rate of inflation you're considering as a hurdle against? If you don't do that, you're basically, you're losing money as we speak. That's right. Yeah, if you look post-1990, the inflation rate's been at least 7 to 8% average, right. even before these last few years. So a lot of times when I do my calculations, I'll just put in 5%. Because I think mm-hmm. if you'll use the rule of 72 with that, 5% really is doubling every 14 years. Right. If you think about reality for our own ex- human experience, every 14, you know, 12 to 15 years for doubling, 
that's not too far-fetched. That's not right? too far-fetched, yeah. I remember in 20 years ago when I was a financial advisor, I used to think $5,000 a month would be living the life. Yeah, <laughs> of course, right? Yeah. I thought 60000 a year was incredible. I mean, now easily that same mentality of the lifestyle would be at least 150 to 200,000 a year of course, in today's dollars. Completely, completely. It's way different, right? And so when I've done that, here's what's interesting. Like people will say, what about the 401k with a match? And I'll say, they're like, oh, I get a hundred percent match or a 50% match. It's yeah. not that much. Cause when you really put the numbers in and you talk about it's what you should be taking out, that was another a fallacy that we were questioning even 20 plus years ago as a financial advisor. If you've ever heard people talk about the fire movement, financially mm -hmm. independent, retire early. Retire right? early, yeah. Yeah, they'll say 4% is what you can pull out of your mutual funds. That number has already been completely debunked. There's nobody in the right mind that says 4% is a reality. Like you right. can't pull out 4% from mutual funds no. because no. the interest rate environment is lower, inflation is higher. In essence, if you don't want to run out of money, you should at max pull out 3% a year. And if you're trying to retire early, maybe two. So yeah. do the numbers, right? You try to save up forever and maybe you have a million dollars, but you live on 3%, that's $30,000 a year. A year. That's not a lot. Yeah. It's just, no, it's I just agree, man. I, and I would love to get your perspective on that, Chris. And I love this conversation. So thank you for um, allowing me to have that. The way I have looked at the calculation is I don't even care what the number is anymore, right? Mm -hmm. And maybe that's where you're going with that is really because the number could be 100K, the number could be 10 million, the number could be 100 million. It all depends upon how much passive cash flow you have. So I don't calculate my net worth in dollars anymore. I calculate my net worth in days, right? How many days can I survive with a passive income that's coming in? And if my yeah. passive income is greater than my expenses, I can be infinite. My net worth is infinite number of days because I'm bringing in more than I'm spending, right? How do you look at the number, right? Because the 4% rule is... I was talking to somebody, I was having coffee with somebody recently. They said, I need to have $5 million. The first question, as you probably guessed already, how did he come up with that number? He's like, well, mm -hmm. you know what? It's $250,000. I think I need that. I multiplied, or whatever number they had, multiply that by 25 because it's a 4% rule. They did not know it's a 4% rule. They just assumed multiply that by 25, which is essentially a 4% rule, right? They're like, mm -hmm. I just need $5 million, I think. I'm like, okay, let's talk about that for more, right? And of course, by the time you start having conversation, you're like, they're shit scared. They're like, oh my God, you're right. I didn't think this through. So help me understand when you made that shift, right? From yeah. telling folks to do whatever, 12% rate of return, S&P, whatever you made that. And now you had made a paradigm shift in how you're mm -hmm. talking about being retired, right? Yeah. What was that shift like? And what was the reaction? Especially, I'm assuming you also... You didn't forego your existing clients because you probably, knowing you by now, we don't know each other for too long. It's about the integrity, right? Yeah. So you can't tell them that what I told you two months ago was still valid when you have moved on with a new understanding. Yeah, it's true. It was interesting because I was discovering it myself, right? Because I had to break out of that mold. I had to break out of that mindset. And that's really what we're talking about. I mean, even 401ks, people say, how much can I live on a 401k? If you're putting in 20000 a year, you're maxing it out. You can pretty much live on after inflation, 20,000 a year in retirement, of course, which is not yeah. enough, right? No. Even with the match. Yeah. And so, yeah, I had a shift. And the biggest shift is the one you just described, which is passive income, right? What's the actual income coming in? Mm -hmm. And understand that financial advisors have always taught, it's always the accumulation theory, right? right? Which is build up all that money like your friend was doing, build it all up and then live off that interest, you know? 
give you an example. I had a guy that recently came to us. He said, Hey, Chris, I've got $3 million. I'm saving $200,000 a year. So this guy is beyond. Just so you know, the average 401k balance is about $103,000 as of Fidelity's mm. numbers just a few weeks ago, right? 103,000. Wow. That's do 3% of that. That's $3,000 a year people can live on. For the person that's over age 65, the average is about 250,000. Mm. So still quarter million, 7,500 years, not enough. This guy had $3 million. He was in the fraction of 1% of yeah. people. And his financial advisor said, because this guy, he wanted, similar to your friend, he wanted a half a million a year to live on. He didn't need right. that much. His burn right. rate, his actual expenses were closer to about 250 to 300,000 a year, but he wanted freedom, right? Sure. He wanted to do whatever he wanted, whenever he wanted. So he said, 500,000 years is my goal. He's 52 years old. Financial advisor ran his little numbers, came back and said, listen, if you keep doing this for the next 13 years, including saving a couple hundred thousand a year, given the 4% rule, <laughs> He said, you'll have $18 million, yeah. assuming, of course, that you get a 10% return on the market. You'll have $18 million. And then with inflation, you can live on that $500,000 a year. Now, of course, I knew he was talking about because, you know, $18,000, 3%, yeah, yeah. like 56000 a year. Really, even he wasn't really factoring in much inflation at all. So mm -hmm. he was hardly factoring in inflation. He was using it a higher number than he's supposed to. I told the guy, I said, listen, if you really go off his numbers, you're probably going to be 70 years old, 70 even though you've got more than almost anybody, 70 before you have a half million year income. Yeah. Or you do this. I said, this is the thing I had to switch in my brain from a financial advisor to an investor, right? Which was passive income. You want income, right? Correct. I said, $3 million, even if all we made is 10% a year. And there's some that can pay more, some that can pay less, but 10% is pretty standard for what my clients get in different mm -hmm. deals. That's pretty average. 10% a year, that's $300,000 a year. You add that to your 200,000. 200,000. That's 500K yep. right there, right? You can pretty much retire today. Yeah. 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 That's what I told him. I said, listen, that's a half million that has another 50,000 a year on top of your 300,000. In roughly about three years with compounding, you would be at that 500,000 a year. Not at the age of really closer to 70, if you go off yeah. this other guy's advice, but in three to four years, you would be at that half million dollar year mark. And I said, I already know. You don't even need 300000 a year. You could retire this year with that mm -hmm. amount of money. Um, and that's, isn't, that's that, isn't that interesting, Chris? That is such an interesting statement, right? I think people wait for a number to mm -hmm. figure out can they retire. I think yeah. it's the wrong question. It's really a wrong question. What number do I need? It's not that question. It's what is the lifestyle you want to live? And what does that equate in terms of the number of, in terms of, the number of dollars and expenses? And then that's let's right. figure out can you somehow create that income passively to meet or beat those expenses right that's right you can that's most people can retire sorry go ahead oh i mean you probably the same thing you're about to say but that's why we distinguish between financial independence and financial freedom right yeah financial independence means you can pay your bills and right. that's surviving and that's good that's amazing mm -hmm. most people will never be able to do that in their lifetime yeah but then financial freedom is going above and beyond that it's allowing you to do whatever you want with whomever you want correct so how are you seeing the shift in your clients now, Chris? So I don't know if you still, when you made that transition, how did you engage with your current clients at that moment when you were still a financial advisor, when you hadn't completely switched over? What was that looking like for you? Yeah, well, I, I, initially I vowed never to teach about money again. <laughs> so mm. when I quit, I felt so horrible inside. I felt yeah. like I was a liar and a deceiver that I didn't want to talk about it. 
Right. But funny enough, when I was on my own journey and I was excited, that's the thing. The people who were closest to me saw that something shifted in me because right. I went from just being the really the scarcity-driven financial advisor to all of a sudden you're really having hope, right? Hope for myself, hope mm-hmm. for my family and everything else. And so they started to say, well, what's going on with you? I said, well, here's what I'm learning. I wasn't quite financially independent, but I was getting there. I said, here's what I'm learning. And they said, that's awesome. Like, I want to learn that too. And right. naturally, and I was just telling them, like, listen, I'm not qualified. I'm just learning this myself. But it didn't matter. They wanted to learn what I was learning. And so it started creating powerful conversations. And eventually it started leading other people because they would talk too. And other people would come ask me questions. I'm like, well, I'm not a financial advisor, right? Yeah. If anything, I'm against financial advising. Correct. And that's kind of what led to naturally coaching people because I, I love teaching. That's something I just love to do. Even when I was financially independent, I was doing what I thought I loved. I was actually teaching ballroom dancing at the local oh, university. Awesome. I was actually, mm. yeah, I was one of the nation's top amateur ballroom dancers about 20 plus years ago. And then uh, I was awesome. even coaching teams and people like, like dance teams and whatnot. And so I always loved teaching. And that's where I just naturally gravitated that direction. That's why in 2007, I came yeah. out of retirement to teach what I'm doing today. Even the recession, the recession kicked my butt, you know, where I was back in the rat race. So I stopped teaching people how to get out of the rat race for a number mm-hmm. of years until again, 2016, I was out of the rat race. So about yeah. 2015, 2016, I started teaching that again. And that's kind of what we've evolved, right? Is, is helping those families now become more financially independent, not just improving right. their cash flow, but mm-hmm. also getting to the point they have enough passive income to work because they want to, not because they have to. Correct. So give you an example, I had a client in California where he just retired from the military. He had a million dollars in his retirement plan. So he was one of the few of the proud, no pun intended. Plus, if he ever heard this, he would get mad because he wasn't a Marine. He was National Guard. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> so he was not the few of the proud, but he would say he is right. still. But you know, he said, he had, I had a million dollars. I went to my financial advisor. He said 30000 a year. So that financial advisor actually taught that. Yeah. Well, he knew in California, nobody can live on 30000 a year. Yeah. That's basically homeless. I don't think and anyone in the U.S. you can. That's fine. No. Yeah. Maybe in Mississippi. And even then, that's, Maybe, that's yeah. a tough life, right? It's just so hard. And think about it. You're a millionaire and you're living in poverty. That just doesn't equate. So he came to us. And so he started doing different investments. Like we did a few turnkey real estate rentals, right? He did mm-hmm. a few of those. He uh, got in some syndications, you know, even some yeah. things, both real estate as well as oil and gas based. You know, I did some of those things as well. And the next thing you know, after doing some of the funds and syndications and turnkeys, uh, that, that kind of combination to diversify him. Now his million dollars is producing about 13000 a month. You know, he used some home equity too. So we're offsetting payments to the home equity line of credit. You know, he's actually netting about $11,000 a month, not mm-hmm. 2500 And then you have to pay taxes on it like you have to with a 401k, yeah. right? He's netting 11000 a month. And some of that's even tax advantage because it's based in real estate. Correct. I think that's a beauty, right? That's a beauty we talked about the paradigm shift. It's if you bury your head in the sand and the only thing you look at is stock market, because that's yeah. the only thing we've been brainwashed. I'm pretty open about it, that I'm not a big fan of Wall Street. There are certain yeah. things to learn from the Wall Street, and you can use that techniques and use that strategies to essentially then use in your investment style, right? So you can learn to grow your money outside of Wall Street and take control. It takes a little bit of time, right? It takes a little bit of understanding, but it's not rocket science. It's really no. not. If you and I can do it, anyone can do it, right? But you want to have to do it. Like there's a friend of mine who works at a federal agency and I was talking to them. They're like, what if you can retire today? Right? They're like 40-ish year old. Their response to me, I cannot forget. Like, 
it's been my dream to work for this agency till 65. Uh-huh. I'm like, okay, that's an interesting answer. I wasn't expecting that answer. I'm like, so if you retire early, you would hate your life? They're like, yeah, I would hate my life. I'm like, you know what? Yeah. Keep doing what you're doing. There's just no point because if you want to continue doing that, continue doing the path you're doing because you're not necessarily open to it. You're not looking at alternatives. You're not looking at other options. Whatever is working for you, keep doing, right? But I think there has to be a willingness to be like in your case, the person you were talking about, when they came to you with a $3 million net worth, they were open to looking at solutions. And that's why they came to yeah. you, right? If somebody's going to go about Wall Street, they may not be your ideal client. Is that a true statement? It can be, absolutely. If somebody's not willing to question and, and really question the status quo, yeah, they're never going to see anything outside. They're, they're going to be a victim. They're not. They're not right. That's the thing is like people that tend to be attracted to it, like what we talk about like on our Money Ripples podcast, they tend to be people that are more, they want to be the hero of their story, not the victim. Correct. Right. Correct. They don't, Correct. they actually are willing to take action and do something with their life versus living an ordinary status quo, mediocre life. My people, my followers, and probably just like everybody watching this show too, nobody wants that, that average life. They want something no. more. Of course. And, yeah. and even to that guy's point, it's actually a growing trend. Uh, the younger the generation, more of them actually want to keep working. They don't want to retire, mm-hmm. quote unquote. They want to keep working. They just want to be what I refer to as being work optional, right? Where agree. Completely agree. Know, Completely yeah, agree. Yeah, they work by choice, yeah. right? Correct. That's the thing, your, your friend, I think that's powerful because he has no guarantees in his life. He is relying on that agency that is his dream job. And I've known so many people in that place. And then all of a sudden, that government agency or that company mm-hmm. lays them off. Or we have a repeat of COVID, right? Yeah. Remember when people were shut down for sometimes months, I had one client, he literally was on, he was actually kind of furloughed for about a year and a half, almost two years before they finally hired him back because he was living in New York state. Correct. Can you imagine how much better our clients felt when they knew they had passive income coming in, regardless of being furloughed, fired. I had one client who was working for Hollywood. Hollywood shut down like crazy. Mm -hmm. He didn't try to take on any project in Hollywood as a result of that. He just said, you know what? I'm going to wait for the right opportunity because I've right. got cash flow coming in that's covering my expenses. I'm okay. Yeah. That's a place of power to be in. That's a very secure place to completely. be. Completely. Completely. Where most people, they put their money away from them. They lock their money up in prison. They put it in mm-hmm. 401ks where they can't access it unless they get yeah. fired or laid off. And then they have 10% penalties and taxes on it. Yeah. Or you lock it up in your equity in your house. Well, if it's trapped in the equity in your house and you need the money, like I did can't in the last recession, I locked up all my equity in there and then the banks wouldn't let me get to it. And then of course, right. as values fell, I didn't have access. I wasn't liquid enough yeah. to weather that financial storm. That's what's so important. You have to almost do the opposite of everything you've been trained if you want true freedom. Otherwise, you'll just keep living that status quo life of people that will be working paycheck to paycheck, working yeah. as long as they possibly can because they really, late at night, whether they say it or not, they worry about running out of money if they'll ever have enough. So Chris, what are some of the three key things. So let's say somebody is in that point. Right mm-hmm. now they are at that point where they're questioning if whatever they've been doing is working or not. Right? So something has triggered that. If they yeah. want to take three key things to do, what would those three things be right away? Number one is focus on cash flow, right? Monthly cash flow. What's coming in, what's going out. I recommend using tools like Mint. You know, Mint is a great tool you can use, whether it's mint.com or just the app. But track your money. 
track the expenses that you're spending right now. Is it really something you need to do? I would get that burn rate, right? That mm-hmm. essential monthly expenses that you're spending that really you need yeah. to spend. Still, you can enjoy life. I don't mean live on rice and beans, right? We don't want to do that. But what we do want to do is really be a wise steward of our money. Make sure that mm-hmm. we're watching what's coming in, what's going out, and know that knows that full flow. And then take that extra cash that you have and start putting that away. That's the money you want to put away, not into your 401k, not mm-hmm. into the equity of your house, even if it's just a savings account, even though I wouldn't trust mm-hmm. the banks right now, right? That's yeah. better than nothing. Like put that money away, get it in your control. Because every time you put it into those 401ks and IRAs, or you put it into like your home equity, it's out of your control. The banks now mm-hmm. have it, which is exactly what they taught you to do. So question everything you've been taught about money because yeah. of that. So control your cash flow for one. Number two would be, like I said, focus on cash flowing assets, right? Mm-hmm. Asset backed investments is essential. When yeah. people are trying to gamble their money in the stocks, right? And I used to be a stock trader, understand. I wasn't just a financial advisor. I actually yeah. taught people how to trade stocks and options. Mm. And I will tell you that if you're trying to do your own trading or just buy that, you know, we have one client that bought that Google stock or that meta stock and they have like a million sitting there. I mean, oh, I mean, you remember that 2022, I mean, those, some of those stocks dropped like half. Drop. You know, they yeah. lost half of their value because they sat on that money instead of taking it and turning it into cash flow. Right? That's, yeah. Think about it. It's just like that client I had a million dollars. If he would have not taken out of the market in 2021 when he did, that million would have shrunk to about $800,000. Mm-hmm. Now how much would you have to work with? How much passive equity create? He would have lost yeah. 25 or 20% of that. So focus on then buying asset back stuff, not Bitcoin. I'm not saying you don't buy any Bitcoin, right? But don't go for stuff that's arbitrary, things that yeah. don't really have good, solid value Fundamental. and especially yeah. don't pay you cash flow. And then the third thing is stop listening to people that are doing the stuff that aren't getting you where you want to go. I mean, listen right. to people that are actually where you want to be. Financial advisors are not there. Even if they look, they have a lavish lifestyle. Is that really because of their investments or is it really because of the income that they're earning? And even if they have a lot of money investments, where did that money come from? It probably came from them working their business, selling you the crap that hasn't yeah. worked for you yet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So question everything. Yeah. No, I love that, Chris. So three things that we talked about. These are important. Track your money because it's important. If you don't track it, you won't know it. And if you won't know it, you don't do anything about it. That's important. The second thing really is try to make sure that you're turning your cash into assets. That is basically giving you cash flow. I always say that. I think it's probably borrowing it from Kiyosaki, but I could be wrong. I don't know who to give the credit. It's not my own. It's cash to assets to cash flow, right? That needs to be journey of your cash. And then the cash flow should be what you should be spending as expenses. If you're covering your expenses from the cash you're saving, we got to figure that out, how to convert that. Now, it may not happen over time, overnight, but it's going to take some time and it'll get there. You want to convert your cash to assets, which are cash flow produced, cash producing, and that cash needs to be converted into cash flow, which just needs to be used for your living expenses, right? If you can create right. that path, that's great. And the third thing you talked about is pay attention to be the guard of your own mind, right? Who you are letting inside your head. It's very, very important. I think Jim Rohn Get your money out of prison. Get your money out of prison. Make sure you're not listening to folks who are basically continuing to, who are re-emphasizing the fact that's been known to not work for anyone, but people are still selling the same stuff, right? So really these three things. I appreciate that, Chris. So Chris, we're coming towards the end of the show here. I'm going to ask you two questions. The first question is going to be, and I think I know the answer because it's pretty, that's a conversation we're having. 
if you were to go back to your 20-year-old self, what are some of the key insights you would give that person about money or not? Yeah, uh, same thing. I've been teaching my some of my eight children, right? Especially the teenagers is focus on that passive income, like getting mm-hmm. that money to pay for your bills. Don't try to put it away forever, hoping that it'll be there someday. Focus on actual, real, tangible, passive income. Right. That's awesome, man. Love that. You've been consistent in your message. It wasn't a test, but you passed. Last question, Chris. What is something that humanity should migrate towards? You know, I feel that humanity is really migrating towards, I think, reality. Well, in some ways, because I think we're seeking more reality and authenticity than ever. Because the truth Mm -hmm. is that there's so much fake out there. I mean, even AI, you know, and all the fake that's coming from that. And there's all the media and the media is fake. I mean, I tell people all the time, you listen to media and guaranteed you're going to be losing, right? You'll be behind the trend when it comes to becoming wealthy. You'll end up having average life. So I think people are really seeking truth, even though it's hard to find where it is. People are really wanting to find truth. Yeah, no, I love that. Love that, Chris. Thank you again for doing that. Chris, my friend, you've shared a lot of insights with our listeners. Thank you for doing that. Thank you for being open to my questions and appreciate your responses. If people need to find you or may potentially work with you, where can they find you? Easiest place you can go to is moneyripples.com. And uh, you just go on there. There's plenty of free education and tools on there. Even our podcast you can find, which is the Money Ripples podcast. Great place to go. Perfect. Well, Chris, on that note, my friend, thank you again for being with us. Good luck with your basement. Hopefully it gets resolved ASAP. But thank you again. Such an honor. Thank you. Thank you. If you got value from this episode, you might consider sharing this content with a friend. But most importantly, be sure to take action on what you've learned. One way you can take the next step is to connect directly with Socket on an investor call. That link is waiting for you in the show notes below. The content of this podcast is for informational purposes only. Please consult your own advisors when making any investment decisions. Keep listening. We'll see you on the next episode.